Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Loaded Sports Outlier Sessions. We're kicking off Season 3 today. Very special guest, Jake Hanley, a 2024 MLB Draft prospect from Mason, Ohio. Before we get going, do want to draw some attention to our app, which is available now on the iOS App Store. Anybody with an iPhone or an iPad can measure, track, and compare jump performance directly from their phone or iPad, starting at just $5 a month. Also have different options available for teams, organizations, et cetera. So uh, yeah, jump performance, measure it from your phone, force power output, ground contact times, the whole nine, a uh, whole bunch of different things. We track the center of mass of the athlete using just the power of an iPhone or an iPad. So check it out. Again, that's on the iOS App Store. Search Load and Sports Performance Lab app. Should pop right up. You'll see the blue diamond. You'll know you're in the right place. So anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, look forward to bringing you a ton of exciting guests this season. Again, kicking off with Jake Hanley from Mason, Ohio. Let's bring him on in. Cool. Today's guest, Load and Sports Outlier Sessions. Uh, Jake Hanley, 6'6", 220-pound MLB draft prospect from Mason, Ohio, just outside of Cincinnati. Uh, if you don't know Jake, he's an Indiana baseball commit, um, plays corner outfield, a little bit of first base. He's got a sweet left-handed swing, and he's got a lot of power. Jake, thanks for hopping on with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so we're looking forward to hearing more about your baseball journey uh, and kind of getting into the weeds on some of that, but before we get into anything else, uh, let's let's hit the people with uh, some answers to a few quick questions. All right. So, first off, uh, you're from Mason, Ohio, suburb of Cincinnati. Are you a Reds fan? Yeah, I actually got the shirt on right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, what do you got on the the big red machine these days? It's. I mean, every year it seems like we've had some heartbreak. Uh, this is the first year in a long time that I can remember where there was buzz around the city, you know, going to school, people were talking about it. People, bars have it on TVs and all that. So it's good to have a team that like you can get behind. Um, I was there when they won the NLS NLDS in 2010, I believe. Um, so it's, it's been a long time, but it's, it's good to see the team trending back up. So a true Reds fan here. Yeah. All right. Do you got a, a favorite player? Um, or favorite Reds player, uh, or both in the game today? Uh, Votto, favorite Reds Votto. player. My dad's from Nova Scotia originally, so um, it originally started as he was the only Canadian guy on the team. Um, so I got a I got a jersey in my closet, and then um, he's a good personality. He's a good guy to you can get behind him. You know, he's he's nice and tends to be pretty outspoken in the community. So. Yeah, he's very personable. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with him this offseason? I'm hearing rumblings that he might not come back. I think he's I think he's probably getting close to the end of his tenure with the Reds, maybe in the MLB too. I mean, uh, his age is getting up there. So if he does decide to go somewhere else, I'll, I'll love to him. But I think, uh, I think it's kind of up in the air right now on whether or not he keeps on playing. That'd be a bummer because there aren't too many guys that spend their entire career with one team. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's so beloved by Reds fans and honestly by Major League Baseball fans all the way around. Um, it'd be great to see him finish up maybe another year or two. Cause, I mean, if you look at like 
the composition of the Diamondbacks team. I don't know how much you've been following the playoffs. Got a lot of really young, exciting players like the Reds do. And then they've got a handful of veterans like 38-year-old Evan Longoria. Yeah. Um, you need those guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they, they bring experience that goes off the field. So it's, yeah. it's good for the team. For sure. Um, all right. Rank the following. Uh, Skyline Chili. Grater's ice cream and a burger from Frisch's. Ooh, uh, Frisch's is three. Okay. Easily. Um, I got to go Skyline probably. I go Skyline one, Grater's two. I don't think there's a time where Skyline isn't a good thing to have. Yeah. May, uh, not, feel, may not feel good eating it, but it tastes yeah. good. <laughs> My buddy's from Cincinnati, and he swears by all things Cincinnati. Uh, it, so on top of that question, uh, he had Skyline at one. Um, graders versus Agla. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Aglamesis. I've never had that. Never had Aglamesis. No. All right, so you're a graders guy. Oh, through and through. I got like three of them by my house. There you go. Cool. Uh, who was the best – Baseball player, like pure baseball player, from an ability standpoint that you played with in the past year. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I have to run through those East Coast Pro rosters real quick. Uh, like as an all-around player, I'd probably go with either Caleb Bonimer or Dante Nori. Really, highly respect those guys the way they played. Um, in those in those events, and uh, Bonimer was on my team at East Coast Pro, and then Dante was on both the Pirates team and the Yankees team. So we got to see quite a bit of them. Yeah, from everything I've heard, both those guys can really hit. Yeah, yeah. Dante's a Dante gets on. It's he's on third and two pitches. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So this might be a similar answer, but best athlete that you've played with in the past year. Probably Dante, yeah. Probably Dante, yeah. I mean, I, when you brought up Dante Nori, I was like, ah, it's probably a good chance that it's going to be the answer for both questions. So, yeah. Um, favorite place that you traveled to in the past year and why? Uh, San Diego. Weather was absolutely outstanding for seven days straight. It's about 80 degrees, cloudless, sunny, pretty dry, so you're not dying out there in the baseball field. And we got to go to the beach once or twice, so. That's probably my favorite place that I've gone in the last 10 years. All right. San Diego. Uh, did you have a California burrito or fish tacos while you're in San Diego? Yeah. Right. <laughs> just just got to make sure. Yeah. That's, that's honestly half the joy of San Diego is the food. Yeah. That was, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So from a travel perspective, uh, you say San Diego, where else have you traveled in the past couple of years? Uh, how well traveled are you? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd say, well, I think the obvious ones are Lake Point in Georgia gone there, Lake Point and East Cobb, basically the same thing. We've gone there probably five or six times the past couple of years. Um, went to Hoover for a tournament about two years ago, just went there for, um, this summer. Uh, gone to Florida about twice, Tennessee twice, um, Grand Park a lot. Went to Wisconsin and Iowa for the first time this fall. And then uh, outside of that, I think most of it's 
pretty local, um, Cincinnati or Columbus area. It looks like there's a whole lot of this country that you still got to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I didn't hear any Texas in there. You haven't been to Texas yet? Never been to Texas. Oh, man. Got a lot of life in front of you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's transition here. Let's talk a little bit about long term athlete development. Uh, it's a little bit of a focus of this podcast in particular. It's something that's really important to us at Logan Sports. Um, and before we get into anything else, you know, athletic development related, I do want to touch on gratitude. Um, and this is something that we usually open up with, with all of our guests, three things that you're grateful for today. Um, they don't need to be big things. They don't need to be small things. It can be anything that you're thinking of. Um, I'll let you share first. I'll give you my three and then we'll keep it rolling. Sound good? Sounds good. What do you got? Uh, say number one's family. Um, there's never been another group of three people that have always been there for me. I'm like them. I mean, ups, downs, sideways, everything in between. They're always there for me, giving me advice. So um, without them, I don't I don't really know where I'd be. So um, all all gratitude to them. Like they've they've pushed me to become the player I am and and the person I am, too. So um, they deserve just about all the credit for for getting me here. Um, I'd say second is something that, you know, maybe a lot of people don't think about too much, but access to facilities. Um, I think living in Mason definitely is a privilege and, you know, the type of stuff that you come around here is not common in a lot of places. Um, we have tools and, and stuff that a lot of people don't have access to. So, you know, sometimes you want to get a quick track man session and you're like, you're like, just text my pitching guy and we get it set up, but you know, other guys got to drive two to three hours to, to get that experience. So um, it's definitely something that you might look over a lot, but I mean, it, it's, um, it's a pretty rare thing. And then third is coaches. Um, I've been lucky to have a pretty strong support system of coaches at Mason and through my summer teams. Um, they're sticking with us every step of the way, giving us guidance, um, especially the uncommitted guys, they're they're doing their best to try and get them noticed and get them out there. So I, I've had coaches in the past where, you know, maybe we didn't like have the similar views when I was younger. Um, but as you get older, um, they, they start pushing you and you learn what like how you respond best. So I think I've gotten pretty lucky on on coaches and, and being able to have that support system. Uh, very thoughtful in your answers, um, which is much appreciated because sometimes it's easy to say family, friends and, uh, you know, like the house that you live in or something like that. But, um, you know, appreciate you sharing. Uh, talk about facilities and access to facilities. How, how often are you over at Prasco Park uh, or have you have you been over there? I was just out there at like 1030 at night hitting because we, <laughs> we were at a high school soccer game and it ran late. So, um I've gone to Prasco quite a few times. I have a friend of my, or I have a player in my high school team that played for them for about a year. So we got access over there. Um, I wouldn't say I go over there as much as I do Alpha. Um, that's about five minutes from my house. Uh, we go there day and night, weekends, doesn't weekdays, doesn't really matter what's going on. Sure. Um, so my dad will usually, they got two machines in there. So we'll usually run one of them and work fastballs off speed. You can go you can go throw in there too that's where we do our track man session so it's got it all no that's awesome yeah i've uh it was a couple of years ago now probably four or five years ago i was up at prasco for a east coast pro trial yeah um 
And I was like, dang. That's it, yeah. We uh, we get we got usually we have one high school game there, but we got two this year, so I'm looking forward to. Yeah, there you go. All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I'll quickly share a uh, shout out to Peyton Remy for his chickens supplying fresh eggs. Uh, I'm a big egg sandwich for lunch kind of guy, and uh, anytime I can get fresh eggs as opposed to the grocery store eggs, grateful for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, number two is neutrality. I feel like the world needs more neutrality, more people that are just kind of like, you know, somewhere in the middle as opposed to being on the extreme ends of points of view. So I appreciate some neutrality every once in a while. Um, and then a good quick read, watch or listen. So, uh, someone sends you something and it's like 10 minutes long or like whatever it is, it's like, that's too long. I appreciate something that's like, you know, two to three minutes long, whether it's, you know, read or listen or whatever it is that, um, you know, provide some kind of value or, you know, is interesting or a different perspective or worldview. So, uh, those are my three things for today. Um, let's talk a little bit about your background growing up. Um, did you play any other sports other than baseball? Uh, middle school, I played, I played basketball since I was about third, second, third grade, um, golf through, um, intermediate school, like around fifth, sixth grade through, uh, middle school for the, the, for the middle school team, um, baseball, basically whole life basketball up until this year. Um, this will be the first year where I'm not playing basketball for Mason or an AAU team, um, solely in the interest of time. Um, especially, you know, last high school season's a really big season in terms of draft and getting ready for college. So, um, the time aspect was a really prevalent issue last year um, with our coaches being new and some of them not living here. So our practices would get done significantly later. Um, that and it's cliche, but safety. Um, had a few guys that have had luck not go their way over the past couple months. And um, not that it deters you, but just knowing that the possibility is there. Um it's like, it's a side effect, but it's, it's not the main reason. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody's going to, you know, crush you for not playing basketball, uh, your senior year. I think that's a, a pretty common thing actually, especially with draft prospects like Walker Martin being an example, uh, we had him on, you know, before the draft this past year and he forewent his basketball season as a senior for the first time. So, um, yeah, I think if you talk to most people, I think, specializing at some point in high school is, is probably the natural course and, and probably yeah. plenty acceptable. So, um, yeah, basketball, a little bit of a, a no brainer there and, you know, given your size, uh, yeah. what kind of basketball player were you? Uh, three point shooter kind of attack off the dribble most of the time. Um, good rebounder. That was, that was my big thing last year was, was free throw rebounding. Um, I don't think there was a guy who could keep me behind him. <laughs> So, but you know, it's and more defensive. I'd say, like maybe towards the beginning of the season when I'm fresh off of uh, summer baseball and like not shooting a basketball for a really long time. Um, defense was probably the more key role. But as the season progressed, you know, points would, would start to go up, and you know, your your durability kind of increases with time. So, um, just like the the aspect of not getting tired. Um, so yeah, it, it it evolved into more all around. Um, towards the end of the year, but usually it's pretty solid. 
So you said three-point shooter, uh, slashing, you're good at rebounding. Uh, is that a guard? Is that a forward? Were you like a a center that played you know, out behind the three-point line? Um, I, I'm not totally sure what the right classification of it would be. I'd probably call it a, a three or a four. Um, okay. We never really go with um, like center, power forward, shooting guard. We kind of just play. Um, so with our offense style, we'd, we'd be all over the court at one time. So it really wouldn't matter what size you were. You would be at the post or the three-point line at some point. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's talk about ignition. All right. So ignition is at the very core of what it is. It's like the reason why you play sport. All right. So you said you grew up you playing basketball, you're playing golf, uh, you're playing baseball. Um, why did you choose baseball? Could be a moment, could be a collection of moments, could be someone in your life that kind of pushed you in that direction. But yeah, kind of get to the heart of uh, how you chose baseball and kind of what ignites you. So my dad played baseball at Toledo um, back in the 90s. So I think originally me playing baseball was a result of him playing baseball. And they're like, you know, just go out and play because that's what your parents did. Um, I think the moment where I knew that I wanted to play it for longer was in a seven U tournament down in Florida. Um, I had had a tough at bat and we were, we were down by, I think a couple runs, a few guys on base. I was down Oh two and I felt like the world was falling apart. Um, and then uh, my dad was coaching third base and, and pulled me aside and just said, breathe. Um, and I went back and ended up hitting a home run off of some kid throwing really hard at the time. Right. And I was running the bases and I and I kind of like felt like I was moving in slow motion a little bit. And you have one of those moments where like you kind of just fall in love with the game. Um, so I think that was the moment where I was like, OK, this is this is what I want to do for a really long time. Um, and I think as I got older, I realized how many ins and outs of baseball there are. It wasn't just see ball, hit ball. It was strategy, getting knowing the pitcher, like adjusting and uh, it, it evolved into more of a game and and kind of a lifestyle and just like going all in on it yeah that's cool as hell that you can kind of point to that uh one specific moment you know where you're down oh two and then you end up hitting the home run and floating around the bases probably like hey i want to do this a whole lot more um now really cool uh, let's, uh, last thing development related, and then we'll move on to your, your summer and all the different places that you were. Um, let's talk about sleep for a second. This is something that we ask all of our guests about because it's really important. What's your relationship like with sleep? Uh, it's been pretty good recently. Um, I made, you know, as you're younger, you, you want to stay up late playing video games and whatnot, but I've drifted away from video games. I don't, I don't play them anymore. So. Um, I've taken sleep as more of a priority now, um, getting homework done, like when you, when you get home from practice and not procrastinating and waiting until 12 o'clock at night to submit it before it's due. Um, I'd say I'd get around seven and a half to eight. Um, that's kind of the comfort zone for me. I feel like if I sleep too long, I'm too groggy in the morning. Um, so there's, there's kind of a fine balance of it. Um, I wear an Apple watch at night to, to track it. I know guys are using that whoop um, device now too to track recovery. So um, yeah, but it's, it's been a prevalent factor and I've seen the benefits pretty immediately from it. 
practice, not the entire throughout the day, especially in the morning during those first few classes. So um, it's it's been it's been good. It's been progressing. It'll it'll always be a work in progress because, you know, stuff can can get in the way of your sleep, such as, you know, getting delayed or at a game and getting home really late. That's just kind of stuff you have to work through and stay consistent with. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and it sounds like you're pretty well locked in on routine and, you know, you got your priorities aligned, um, you know, for, I guess, leading up to the draft and leading up to college, uh, whichever route you decide to go. Um, but just in terms of, you know, I mean, you know how it is, you know, it's got to prioritize your life and then you, know, you got to make sure you prioritize sleep. And then there's kind of all these other talk about quitting video games, like something, <laughs> sometimes you just have to, you know, um, yeah. Cause we're all working with the same 24 hours. So, mm-hmm. um, well, awesome. Let's talk about the, uh, 2023 summer. So, uh, you're at two of the biggest events of the summer, uh, area code games, East coast pro compare and contrast the experiences at both being that they're relatively similar and how they're structured. Um, how are they similar? How are they different? Uh, similarities wise, I, it was the competition. I mean, those rosters were up and down almost the same guys. Um, area code had more West coast guys. Cause East coast doesn't really go past the Mississippi other than one guy from Texas, but um, competition was lights out all week for, for both of those. And I think that, you know, going to a place like that with playing against guys that you've seen on your social media for four or five years and, you know, seeing how good they are, like, uh, it's a weird experience at first, you know, playing for a local summer team, not really going to all the PG national, um, stuff. I missed that this year cause I had to take the ACT, but, um, you know, it's, it's an eye-opening experience cause you, it's, it's different getting to play against those type of guys compared to like the local tournaments. Um, but yeah, it was it was eye opening. I, I said multiple times it felt like playing in a video game um, with with all those scouts there and and the music playing and the crack of the bat during batting practice. But um, it was a unique experience for sure. And then um, difference wise, I would say with Adidas sponsoring East Coast Pro and all the media production that came out of that, I would say it was a little um, less drive behind the teams as there was no championship for that series. So it kind of just like you were to kind of just plan. Um, area code had that tournament set up for the first time this year. And I felt like that was um, kind of game changing compared to, to East coast, um, you know, playing for something, having, you know, the team at the hotel, having a cookout before the last day really helped. Um but both built a, a really good sense of community and, and both teams that I played on bonded really well uh, in terms of guys. Yeah. That's something I've heard from scouts for a number of years is they really enjoy the environments where they can see the top players competing in a tournament style as yeah. opposed to a showcase style. Um, not that, you know, the showcase style doesn't have its benefits and its value, but when you guys are actually competing to try and win a game, it just looks a little bit different, brings a little something else out of you. Yeah. Um, so no, that's, that's really cool. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on there, I forgot. So maybe it'll, maybe it'll come back to me in a little bit. That's <laughs> what was your, Oh no, this is what I want to see. It comes back to you as soon as you want to move on from it. 
Um, okay, so you're from Mason, Ohio. You mm-hmm. talked about how it felt like playing in a video game. You talked about you're seeing a lot of these guys for the first time. You're playing against them. The rosters are loaded, the whole nine. Talk a little bit about uh, just kind of what that experience for you did from like a development standpoint, right? So like before the events, you go through these events, after the events, like where the game's faster, was, you know, obviously the competition was better. Like how, how, what did you take out of that from a competitive standpoint uh, in terms of like where you stand compared to everybody else? Um, I, I think the biggest thing I took away from it is that, you know, we're human and this game is really hard. Like guys, guys will fail no matter how much you see them on social media and, and how much they look like they're hitting a thousand and three home runs a tournament. Like this game is not easy. And I don't like saying it's a game of failure because, you know, you don't want to look at it negatively, but you will fail a lot in this game. And that's something that you kind of have to come to terms with. And, you know, there are guys ranked in, you know, the top 20 that may not have had the greatest weekend. And then there are guys that, you know, you've never heard of that, you know, break out and, and hit like 600 and have three doubles. And, and I think the biggest takeaway wasn't so much developmentally, but more like mentally that like, you know, I, I am that good. Like I have the ability to, to play with those type of guys um, and just get in the face against them. And, and granted, I ended up being able to, play well in both of those tournaments but you know like they're human and and i'm human and i have the ability to to play along those guys and and compete and be a great player i think that's a really good way to frame it really good way to look at it um this is a conversation that i've had a lot recently especially with a a couple of underclassmen um but the idea and you 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 brought it up a little bit earlier um kind of touched on it a little bit like it's kind of like going from being the the biggest fish in the in the small pond to all of a sudden you're in the big pond and yeah. you're sizing these other guys up and it's like well there's other big fish here how many fish here are bigger than me are there fish here that are smaller than me how many fish are my size yeah. um, but it's a completely different experience than anything you've had up to that point and I think you guys are all collectively having that same experience right so like you and everyone else at that event like you're all coming from your individual small ponds and it's mm-hmm. really the first time that you guys get to see that level of competition on the national stage. I mean, I know that there's some guys that compete in national events before that, but like that's the first time where like everybody that needs to be there is there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's neat. I think it's something that uh, a lot of guys aren't prepared for. Uh, and I think that there there can be some shock there, but it sounds like you took everything in stride and it sounds like you're looking at everything the right way. So, um, cool. Uh, a little bit lighter on this next question. All right, right, let's we'll soften it up for you a little bit. Uh, what was your favorite event you attended? I, I want to say, I, I could go two ways here. I could say East Coast because Adidas gave us way too much stuff that I don't need. All right. But I think the the tournament aspect of area codes made it a much more competitive and engaging experience. Uh, I felt like there were times where the game, you know, could feel like it was lagging on uh, over in Alabama. So I'd, I'd probably go with area code uh, just for the environment um, and kind of the, the tournament setup. 
Cool. All right. So uh, kind of going back around to that last question a little bit, but not really. Um, if you could give advice to Jake Hanley uh, going back to the beginning of June uh, of 2023, or let's say a player that's about to go through it all that's in the 2025 class for next summer, what advice would you give them in regards to the showcase circuit um, heading into it? Um, don't overthink don't worry about results. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, like striking out, it, it's going to happen at some point. You're facing really good arms. Um, I think, yeah, just not not worrying about results. Um, coming from personal experience at East Coast, you know, I had like one or two strikeouts against really good arms. But, you know, in those at-bats, I made the subconscious effort to like make them good at bats, take good swings on good pitches. Don't chase, just be a competitor. And as long as you're competing and, and giving it your all, there's, there's nothing really wrong with, with how the stuff turns out because as long as you're playing to the best of your ability, you're leaving it all out there. Yeah. I think that's great. A uh, conversation I had with my buddy recently, he's a hitting coach. Um, we were watching playoff baseball and, you know, there's, I don't remember who the player was, but came up and had like two or three really bad swings in the at bat. He's like, oh man, that was such a, a poor at bat. Right. And the, the way that he's looking at it as a hitting coach is, you know, it's okay to like have a bad swing, but then like don't compound it with another bad swing. Every yeah. like pitch is its own individual pitch. Mm -hmm. um, and it that's, that's particularly true in any setting where there's a whole bunch of eyes on you. So in the case of the game we're watching, we're watching NLCS baseball, ALCS baseball, whatever it was. In the case of the showcase circuit, you've got 300, 400 scouts, decision makers looking at you, literally looking at every pitch as its own individual pitch. So uh, I think that's excellent advice. Um, sweet. Let's, uh, let's talk about being tall and athletic. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that smirk. Um, you're six, 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 seven, somewhere in there, 220 pounds. We're living in an age where players of your size are a draw, whether that be on TV, in the draft. Um, how aware are you of the successes that tall and athletic players have had in recent years? Uh, Barry. Um, I know a couple of guys, um, Bryce uh, Eldridge, James Wood. Um those are guys that I typically will go to um, if I am looking for something. Being long, it's not necessarily that there's more moving parts, but just that they have to travel a little bit further. Um, so sometimes, like, learning how to move better is a big thing for me, um, whether that's faster, being short of the ball, or just being more efficient. I think looking at taller guys and, and kind of learning what they do can help me. Um, and I think just drawing those lines can can improve me as a player and and help me realize that you know it's not it shouldn't be impossible for a six foot six guy to be able to hit a baseball um it just kind of gives you some insight yeah i mean we're living in an age where you've got ellie de la cruz o'neill cruz uh on the prospect level you got spencer jones you mentioned bryce eldridge uh james wood i mean it's just i mean you go i mean aaron judge john carlos Stanton, uh joey gallo um 
I think like from an introspective perspective, if you will, uh, is there a player at the collegiate or professional level that you would compare yourself to, or you try to model your game after? Um, I'd say Jack Caglione is probably one of the guys that I try and model my game after. Um, not so much for like the pure home run hitting power, but um, I noticed I was looking through his stats um, like midseason, and one of the things I noticed was his strikeout rate was extremely low. Like he wasn't swinging and missing it much, um, which is kind of how I like to play. Um, I may not like hit the most home runs on a team or or hit I'll hit a tower and fly ball every now and then, but it's not like every ten at bats. Uh, I tend to stay. Uh, more contact focused because being bigger, you don't have to swing as hard. Ball's going to fly if you just put the bat on it. So I tend to focus on hitting line drives, gap to gap. Um, if it's two strikes, then just get a ball in play. And, you know, 40% of the time it's going to work out in your favor. So, um, and then that paired along with the pitching side, you know, he's a two way, I'm a two way. Um, just I think the biggest thing is pitching. Um, is somewhat difficult to pair with hitting, you know, getting off the mound and then you're the first batter up the next inning. It's, it's really difficult to switch those two mindsets. So seeing like watching a guy like him and realizing, you know, kind of how he does it, uh, I think helps. Awesome. I mean, I wasn't even thinking of Jack, but I guess that one's a pretty obvious hit you in the face, uh, throwing a hundred and hitting however many home runs he hit last year. Um, what position do you enjoy playing the most and where do you see yourself on the diamond moving forward? The spot I enjoy the most is first. I think that keeps me actively engaged in the game more than the outfield does. Like there are stretches where there'd be four or five games and I wouldn't get a single ball hit to me. So you're kind of just standing out there for, you know, five innings, not really doing much. And then you got to get your body moving again. Um, but I take pride in my first base ability, you know, being able to scoop balls and, and jump and reach balls that guys wouldn't be able to know really get. Um, being tall has a little bit of an advantage there. But, um, yeah, I think I think that keeps me actively engaged the most. Um, moving forward, I think it depends. Um, if I do end up two-wing in college and that is a possibility, I think solely for, for arm health and safety, I think going to first base would be the ideal move. Um, but I'm fast enough to be able to put in a corner outfield spot. Um, so it, it kind of just how the cards unfold. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you're a pitcher, then obviously you got the arm strength. You probably make yourself a pretty good right fielder. Got to hit them out there though. Otherwise, yeah. you know, yeah, Jake's picking daisies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about the MLB draft. Sorry. My dog just hopped up on here. He's that's uh, all good. Um, let's talk about the MLB draft. So we're still about nine months out. Uh, have you started to get any feelings for what might happen next July? Uh, and our scouts reaching out obviously through the fall, uh, to set up any kind of meetings or anything. But yeah. Scouts have reached out, um, kind of just working through the process right now. Um, the goal is for some in-home visits this, um, fall and winter. Um, so kind of going through those steps right now. Um, and just sending it over to my advisor for him to 
you know, keep in contact with them and, and keep me in the know. Um, the biggest piece of advice he gave me was to not um, skip this offseason and this high school season and, and look directly to draft. Um, you know, I, I kind of view that as something to where I'm not trying to, like, look directly to it. I'm trying to take it step by step. Um, I think when I tend to get focused on something too far in the future that I lose sight of like what's going on right now and, and stuff like that. So I think it's better to just focus on the off season, focus on high school, worry about the draft later and, um, and kind of just stick to what's going on right now. Yeah. Nine months is a long way away. Um, and a lot can happen between now and then. So with that in mind, you just, came off the summer you talked about all the different places you went all the different experiences that you had um what are the biggest areas that you're currently focusing on you talked a little bit about moving better um biggest areas that you're focusing on for your development before you get back on the field in the spring um right now the biggest thing is just a few little tweaks in my swing um there's some minor things that i can clean up that can lead to some pretty uh big improvements especially going into the spring, which is vital, you know, last spring, it's, it's a big impact season. Um, pitching wise, I'm kind of in a deload period. Um, so I might like go lob with my brother outside for maybe 10 minutes while he does his throwing, but, um, it's, it's almost a shutdown period, but just keeping the arm moving a little bit. Um, and then that paired with lifting and, and strength and conditioning, I wouldn't say there's too much going on on the pitching side right now. I'm sure as that gets ramped back up, we'll we'll look into some things with, you know, spin axis and getting my slider dialed in. Sometimes it can come out like a slider. Sometimes it's a curveball. So, sure. you know, differentiating between those two is will probably be a focus this summer or this uh, winter. Sorry, but that's about all that's going on right now. Awesome. Well, I got a few last questions for you before I let you go. Uh, this one actually comes from a scout. Uh, I told him I was hopping on to talk to you, and he's, I said, you yeah, got any questions for Jake Hanley? And he said, uh, ask him what is best, the best advice that he's ever gotten from his parents. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten from your parents? <laughs> um, they've given a lot of it. Uh, I'd probably <laughs> say... <laughs> I'd probably go with, uh, there's two. I'd probably say learn to learn to accept failure or, yeah, yeah. I'd go with learn to accept failure. You know, growing up, my mom was a perfectionist, which basically makes me a perfectionist. Right. So, you know, sixth grade, I'd miss a question on the test. I'd be freaking out the whole day. But um, I, I think the biggest difference from, you know, being younger playing baseball to high school is, my ability to to move on from stuff that happened, you know, two pitches ago or last inning. You know, there'll there'll be times where I don't remember like what happened in the middle of an at bat because I've I've gotten so good at flushing that away that I it's not something I used to dwell or focus on anymore. You know, usually like when I was younger strike out you know you carry it with you to the next at bat and you'd end up having a horrible game or weekend um whereas now it's you have a strikeout flush it build learn from it and go into the next bat with with your best stuff 
Sounds like uh, a little bit like Dory from Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, I'm sure that's something that uh, a lot of guys who play this game at at all levels currently wish they could dial into a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so if you're already working with that, that's a, a good tool to have in your box. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's speak on the importance of self-evaluation and being self-aware as a high-level competitive baseball player. Uh, what is the advantage of being self-aware and self-evaluating, especially when you're getting into some of those higher-end evaluative settings? Like in terms of like knowing my abilities? Yeah, like knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not particularly good at, knowing what you need to improve before, you know. I mean, obviously, if you go into one of those, you know, like an East Coast Pro or an area code, mm -hmm. thinking that you can do everything, um, I mean, there's a good chance that no player there can do everything, right? Everyone's got a hole in their game some sort. It's part of being human, like you mentioned earlier in this podcast. Um, yeah. But just the importance of being self-aware, in knowing those things and how that, I guess, helps your approach in those events. I think knowing ahead of time, like what you need to work on is, is very important. You know, um, I had a week off before going to East coast. So every day we would be honing in on like a certain little thing that needed to be cleaned up. Um, I think baseball is a very mental game. You know, the saying it's 10% physical, 90% mental. Um, and, you know, being a smart guy, I tend, I tend to think a lot, you know, outside of a baseball setting. So when I get in there, um, I try I try not to think. And, you know, maybe those areas aren't super – there might be areas in my game that have holes. And, you know, that's something that I go in there with the mentality that, you know, I can I can do everything. And, and I think to a certain extent, if you tell yourself something enough, you, you'll begin to believe it. Uh, I think worrying about like little things that don't define you as a player will cause more damage to you than if you just go in there with a clear head and confidence and, you know, putting on your best stuff. Awesome. Well, let's do one that's a little bit more fun here uh, before I let you go. Because <laughs> uh, you've, you've gotten pretty deep with us on a lot of things, you know, developmentally and I guess like your process as a baseball player, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about what gets you going off field. I know it's not video games, yeah. um, but what are, you know, some of your hobbies, what are some of the things that you like to get into in your, your free time uh, kind of light you up? Um, basketball. I have, a, I have like a half court, like a three point line in my backyard. So I'll go out there when, whenever there's a lot going on or I just need to be outside for a little bit. Um, I've been getting a little more into music, you know, kind of just putting the headphones on and, and taking a walk outside, um, you know, disconnecting from my phone for a little bit. It's been, it's been real helpful and, and kind of just taking in the world around me. Um, I think finding um, greater appreciation in, you know, my surroundings is, has helped me just calm down a little bit. You know, maybe school's getting stressful or, you know, you have a bad day. I think it's good to take a reset. Um, I like biking. It's something I do usually. Um, and then lifting, you know, whether it's lifting for baseball or lifting in my own time, I think getting in the gym um, helps me feel a little bit better. Um, kind of just take some time away from, from school or baseball and just hit the weights and, you know, feels good when you drop them sometimes. 
no doubt. So dying to know what's coming through the headphones these days. Um, yeah, past couple, like past two or three years, it's been mostly rap or hip hop. Um, I think, you know, this summer I was like, I, I kind of got tired of that stuff. Taking the turn to, to some more alternative stuff, still mixed in rap, but um, I'm not a big country guy. So uh, there's a few artists like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like the only guy on my team that doesn't like country music. So I've been getting into like Tame Impala a little bit. Um, some of the old school hits, um, rock classics. My dad listens to a lot of alt. So um, bands like Linkin Park, Blink-182. Um, maybe throw in some U2 every now and then. But uh, I'd say it's pretty heavily like that stuff mixed with rap. Yeah, Linkin Park was my first favorite band. When yeah. I was a kid. They were my uh they're my walkout song for last year. Uh what song? Uh Bleed It Out for pitching. All right. So a little off of minutes to midnight. Yeah. How far have you tapped into the catalog? <sighs> I haven't gone too deep. Probably maybe their top ten or fifteen I'm pretty familiar with. But yeah, you gotta go uh pull out hybrid theory. Oh that's a good one, yeah. I like yeah. that one. Give that one a listen top to bottom. But yeah. anything else you want the people to know about uh, Jake Hanley before you leave? Uh, what do you got? Anything? Um, I'm going to compete. I was going to compete my butt off. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to. I was going to go somewhere else. I can't, can't do that on podcast. But yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to compete my butt off. I'm, I'm going to leave it all out there. And, you know, once, once the game's over and I, I look back and – I can, I can confidently say that I left it all out there and I have no regrets. Then uh, that's the type of player I'm a, I am. That's the player I'm going to be. Um, you know, I'm a competitor. It's it's what I love to do. And it's why I play baseball. It's why I love it. It's why I keep with it. Um, yeah, no matter what it is, baseball, school, like I'm going to give it everything. Jake Hanley, 2024 MLB draft prospect, hard worker, deep thinker. You got a really good head on your shoulders. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to your responses to all these different questions. Um, I think you've you know, got maturity beyond that of a high schooler. Um, I'm not going to take any more of your time because I know that you're dialed in and you got to go get your work in. So um, thank you very much for hopping on. Can't wait to see uh, what the next you know couple of years of your life look like um, as you get there. I'm sure you'll take it in stride, whatever it may be. Uh, and wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here.